the name of our risen Savior, dear Christian friends. So, how many of you are, need a wine for your, your brunch today? I'll auction this off. How, 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 how much would you be willing to pay for this, this bottle of wine? But before you maybe put in your bid, you maybe want to know what it is. What if I said it was a 1992 Screaming Eagle Cabernet, which was just made with this, you know, about aged with about a 60% new oak, and it's got nice aroma of black currants in it, it, it just a little trace of oak, but also this, this, this opaque purple appearance. All right, now before you put in your bids, I should let you know, the last time a 1992 Screaming Eagle Cabernet went up for auction, it sold for $500,000. All right, so such a deal I have for you, we'll start the bidding at five. All right, $5,000, all right, we got one there, we got $5,500, all right, we got $6,000. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine if, if someone would pay that much money for a, a bottle of, of wine? Now, you've probably deduced that this isn't a 1992, a Screaming Eagle Cabernet. This is a 2019 Joe Henry Primitivo, all right? And it's excellent, it is excellent. It, it, if you are a wine connoisseur, anything that Joe makes is, is really, really good. So I, I highly recommend it. At the same time, I would be a little bit more nervous holding a half a million dollar bottle here than I am about holding this Primitivo. And I would probably think twice about what kind of an occasion would lead me to, to pop that cork, right? It would need to be a really, 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 really special occasion to convince me to do that. And it's that kind of an occasion that Isaiah, the prophet from the Old Testament, takes us to today. As we hear these words from Isaiah chapter 25, as he, as he writes, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast for, of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, Surely this is our God, we trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Isaiah is really opening up that 1992 Screaming Eagle here, isn't he? I mean, maybe your mouth was almost watering although tons of you ate snacks out there on the way in already, so maybe not so much. But as you heard some of those descriptions, right? A feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. What is the occasion that Isaiah is talking about here that, that makes it worth, you know, busting out the Screaming Eagle 1992 Cabernet 
What is the occasion that, that causes you know, him to talk about the, the thickest ribeyes or the, or the best, the richest meats that there are available? It has to be a special occasion. And it's the very occasion that you and I are here to celebrate today. Easter is that big of a deal. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to go home and have a, a glass of wine with your, your brunch or your dinner today that is worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. But you could. If there's any day for you to do it, it's today. Why? Why is Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, such a big deal? I think for us to really grasp the enormity of, of what this holiday means, we first of all have to grasp the enormity of the enemy that's been defeated today. Death. The way that Isaiah puts it is, he says, you know, he calls death the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. In other words, this, this enemy is so big that there is no escaping it. You can't out-diet it. You can't out-exercise it. it. It is something that ever since Adam and Eve sinned, the very first people, when they sinned, what came along with it? Death. And the Bible very clearly says that as, as sin entered the world through one man, so death came to, through, to the world, and death came to all people, because all sinned. It is a shroud, as it says here, that covers the whole earth, a sheet that covers all nations. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It touches every one of us. You know, what Isaiah is really reminding us here is, is that old saying is true. Today is, tomorrow is tax day, right? You're welcome for the reminder. But what Isaiah is reminding us of here is, is that old saying is true that there's only two things to be certain of in life, taxes and death. And yet as prevalent as death is, as big as it is, as we understand that it is a shroud that covers everybody, I wonder if sometimes it's so big and so prevalent that we just become numb. To its effects. You know, every day I drive home 395 South, heading towards Golden Valley. And what do I see as I drive that every day? I see all these warehouses, all these distribution centers on the right hand side. Now I also see cones and detour signs. Uh, but I, but you see all those, all those huge buildings over there, and you see the Amazon fulfillment center, and. Yet I miss something almost every day, even though it's closer to the highway than any of those buildings. The Sierra Memorial Gardens Cemetery. Now granted, the buildings are much bigger than the cemetery, and one is above ground and one's mostly underground. But I practically miss it every day. And I, and I wonder if that's a good indication of what you and I Think about death or, or even discuss about death. That it's so easy to get caught up in the commerce of life. 
and talk about that. And we'd rather maybe not talk about or discuss the day that we check out from this life. You know, I am much more comfortable just letting, just letting death be this generic public enemy number one out there instead of letting it be personal enemy number one. I, I am comfortable with death just being this, this sheet that, of, that, that covers the nations, right? Like a, like a blanket on top of a bed. But as soon as it gets tucked in in the corners... That's when I feel a little uncomfortable. That's when I feel trapped by death. Do you feel trapped by death? Maybe not today so much. But I bet you the, Cars the Carsons family feels trapped by death. I bet you the Stockton family feels trapped by death. And I bet you the Cuck family feels trapped by death. And right now you're thinking, hmm, who are those people? Are those new members that you just haven't met yet? Or are those guests that have come in today that you, you haven't introduced yourself yet to? And I, honestly, I don't know all the last names of the, of the guests today, so if I happen to catch your last name, I didn't mean to single you out. But those names, those names were in the obituaries the local obituaries of this last week. Generic names to me. They don't, I'm not trapped by those deaths. But one day, one day Carson's is going to say Campbell's. And one day Stockton's is going to say Streeter's. And one day Cuck is going to say Keys. And if that's your last name, or the last name of your loved ones. It's then. It's then that public enemy number one becomes personal enemy number one. And it's then that we feel trapped. Trapped by death. Tucked in by death. That sheet that covers all nations now covers me. And that's what the women who walked to that tomb felt like on that early Sunday morning. I mean, they had no problem throwing off the blankets off of their bed that morning because they were anxious to get up. No problems tossing those blankets to the side. But as they started their journey to that tomb, the shroud of death, still blanketed them like a weighted blanket because their friend, their teacher, and worst of all, what they hoped was their Savior, what they hoped was their Messiah, was dead. And so they started that arduous journey carrying this weighted blanket, this shroud of death over them, as they went to prepare spices for the shroud that covered their Savior. But what happened when they got there? The Bible tells us they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. 
And maybe it's not so much what they found that's important. It's what they didn't find. As we heard in that gospel lesson earlier, they, but when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. Death had swallowed up Jesus on that Friday night. Uh, on that two days earlier that, that, that he had been placed by Joseph and, of Arimathea and Nicodemus, he had been placed into the mouth of that tomb and, and into the belly of that grave. And they, they closed the mouth of that tomb with, with that stone. But on Easter Sunday, death had to spit him back up. Death could not keep Jesus down. But quite the opposite. Jesus, when he rose, he swallowed up death. He swallowed up death. Not just on the, the third day, but he swallowed up death, as Isaiah says, forever. Forever. And if the way I say that brings back memories of the classic movie Sandlot, squints, you know, now becoming a mean forever, you know what I mean? And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, A, I'm sorry you don't know that good movie, but B, you're at an advantage today. Because having no clue what the word forever means is really how we live in our life. We live in a change-by-the-minute culture, don't we? We live in a culture of disposable products. We don't have a clue what the word forever means. It is unfathomable to us. It is ununderstandable to us. I mean, you think about how, how relationships today just end on a whim or how addresses change all the time. I mean, I won't do it, but I, I, I bet you if I took a show of hands today, how many of you are lifers in Reno? There'd maybe be three hands up of everybody here. We move all the time. There's nothing that's forever anymore. Uh, even jobs, careers, it seems like they're revolving doors. It's always like, hey, what job are you going to do? What's your second career going to be? Or what's your third career uh, going to be? We don't understand what that word forever means, but it's that word forever that makes all the difference in the world when it comes to Easter. It makes that, that word forever, what Isaiah says here, makes all the difference for us. Because that word forever lets us know that what Isaiah prophesied 2,700 years ago and what Jesus accomplished 2,000 years ago didn't just happen on a Sunday 2,000 years ago and only impact them, but it impacts you and me. That word forever assures us that, that Jesus' victory isn't short-lived. That word forever assures us that death will never, ever set foot in the winner's circle again. And we say, hip, hip, hooray, Jesus, way to go. But what about that cemetery on 395? What about those names that are in the obituaries? What about that shroud of death that blankets the world and blankets me? If Jesus swallowed up death forever, 
Why do my loved ones die? If Jesus swallowed up death forever, why do I die? Those are real questions. Great questions. Great questions that you deserve to have answered today. And you think you maybe know the answer. You maybe think, well, we, we die because of sin. We heard that earlier. Death came to all the world because all sinned. But I thought Jesus crushed sin on Good Friday. He said, it is finished. So if he crushed sin, then why do we die? The better answer, the real answer, as to why we die is because your Savior Jesus wants so much more for you than this. He wants to prepare for you, what did Isaiah say? A banquet of fine wines and rich meats. Far better than what you'll have at Atlantis today. He wants to, to, he wants to make, give you a, a fine wine that is far better than any 1992 Screaming Eagle Cab or a 2019 Joe Henry Primitivo. He wants to give you a banquet in his presence in his glorious presence, in his holy presence. And the truth of the matter is, these sin-laden bodies that we have right now can't digest the glorious food that God has in store for you. These sin-laden bodies that we have can't handle being in the presence of this holy God and this, in this glorious banquet. And so we die we die, but we don't stay dead. Just as, as death couldn't contain Jesus, so too death, because of Jesus, will have to spit us up. It can't keep us down. And when Jesus raises us up, what, what are our bodies going to be like? Did you hear it earlier in that 1 Corinthians 15? That, that what is now perishable is going to be raised imperishable. What, was, what is now mortal is going to be raised as immortal. And then, then the saying will come true, what is written, death has been swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we die. Because Jesus wants so much more for you than this. That's why we die. But then, why do we cry? If death is near nothing more than a mere stepping stone to get to something bigger and better and more glorious, why do we cry when we stand at the gravestone of one of our loved ones? I suppose that answer depends. You know, why did you cry? when your husband died? Why did you cry when your father died? Why did you cry when your friend died? Why did you cry when your sister died? Why did you cry? I mean, the answers are, 
are all over the board, what brings on those tears? Maybe the tears are just brought on by the fact that, you know what, I can't imagine what my life is going to be like without this person in my life anymore. Or, or, or maybe the tears are brought on by, by this idea that I, I'm worried, I'm fearful, I don't know what it's like to, be, to live alone, and, and who's going to take care of the, the house, and who's going to take care of, of all the things that that, that person used to do. Uh, maybe, maybe tears are brought on by a, a little bit of regret or, or guilt uh, of, of, you know, that you always wanted to let this person know how much they meant to you, but now it's too late. And you don't get a chance. Maybe, maybe your tears are just brought on because you saw somebody else crying. And you're one of those people, when you see someone else cry, you have to cry too. There's a whole slew of reasons why we cry. But, here's what's so awesome about Easter. Easter has something to say about those tears of mourning as well. Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, is not just about those who die. It's also for those who cry. No matter what brought on the tears. You know, whenever someone says to me, yeah, I don't know what the big deal is about Easter. Why are you doing that this weekend? Or what's so, what's such a, what's the, who cares? What, I don't get it. My first thought, internal thought is, hmm, I bet you they've never lost someone extremely close to them. Yet. But they will. And many of you have. And if you have lost someone who's close to you, you think about them on Easter. You're thinking about them right now. And maybe a tear is even welling up in the corner of your eye. I see it every Easter. But here's what's so neat is that while we're thinking about our loved ones on Easter, do you know what our living Lord Jesus is doing? He's thinking about you. He sees your tears. He sees your pain. And he reaches over and he hands you a cloth to dry your tears. And he doesn't just reach for some Kleenex that's disposable that gets all soggy and you have to throw it away. He reaches for his burial cloth because he doesn't have a use for it anymore. And that burial cloth is bigger and more absorbent than the shroud of death that covers the whole earth. And he hands that to you. That burial cloth that served him for three days as a shroud of death has now become for you an eternal linen of life. That burial cloth now vacated by Jesus' body becomes for you a, a cloth of comfort. That, that, that 
that piece of, of covering that was over his head, over his face, put there by, by Joseph and, and, and Nicodemus, and it was folded neatly and left there in the tomb. That now becomes your, your fabric of forgiveness. Assuring you, assuring you of what the Bible says. It says, yes, there will be weeping for the night. But joy, joy always comes in the morning. Look what, look what Isaiah writes here. He says, yes, he shall swallow up death forever. But the sovereign Lord will wipe away the tear from all faces. That's your face. That's your face. And that's your face. That's the difference that Easter makes. That's the Lord whom we trust. The one who removes our fears and the one who wipes away our tears. That's the one. That's the one who saves us. And that's something worth popping a cork over for. Because there is no better occasion than that. No bigger occasion than that. Than to know that Jesus won life for you. And so let us rejoice and be glad. Rejoice in the salvation that your living Savior gives to you today. Amen. Please stand.